Hello, and thank you for tuning into Answers from the Lab, where we share Mayo Clinic knowledge and advancements on the state of testing and science from laboratory leaders and the people who are making it happen behind the scenes. I'm Dr. Bobby Pritt, your host, and the clinical microbiologist and the chair of the Division of Clinical Microbiology at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. For today's episode, we welcome Denise Harpster from our product management team at Mayo Clinic Laboratories for a test and focus interview. Thanks for the introduction, Dr. Pritt. Today, we will be discussing Mayo Clinic Laboratories' recently launched whole genome sequencing test with Dr. Nicole Bozak and Sarah Barnett. Before we jump in, would each of you share a little about yourself and your backgrounds? Yes, of course. Happy to. Like Denise, you just mentioned, my name is Nicole Bozak, and I am assistant professor and a consultant in the Department of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology and serve as co-director within the Laboratory of Genetics and Genomics here at Mayo Clinic. I specialize in hereditary disorders, more specifically in exploratory testing, which includes microarray, exome, and now genome sequencing. And I'm Sarah Barnett, a genetic counselor working closely with Dr. Bozak to support these same specialty areas for the past six years. Prior to my time in the lab, I was a genetic counselor in a general genetics clinic. And as a quick note, when we use the term exploratory testing throughout this conversation, we don't mean research or experimental. We just are referring to a group of tests that aren't targeted to specific genes and take a more broad-based approach. Thank you for sharing your backgrounds. Let's dive into the topic that brought us here. Dr. Bozak, could you provide us with an overview of what the WGSDX test is? Yeah, WGSDX is the test mnemonic for our lab's new whole genome sequencing test. This test utilizes next-generation sequencing to interrogate nearly every base pair of the 3 billion that make up an individual's DNA. This test also interrogates the entire mitochondrial genome. This testing is often performed in individuals with a suspected underlying hereditary disorder. Wow, that seems like a lot. How is that different than other genetic tests like exome or microarray? Great question, Denise. Like both exome and microarray, this is an exploratory test as we are interrogating all of your genes at once. Similar to exome, we hone in on variants and genes that are specifically related to the patient's underlying clinical features. So every case is unique in which variants are closely examined. The biggest differences between these exploratory tests are that there are different variant classes that genome can query in a single test. For example, microarray examines only copy number variation, whereas exome can detect both small variants, like single nucleotide variants, and copy number variants, but is limited to variants that fall within protein coding regions and intron exon boundaries of the 20,000 genes, which only makes up about 1 to 2% of our genome. Genome, like exome, can detect these small variants, like those single nucleotide variants and the copy number variants, but can potentially also identify variants in the non coding regions as well. Additionally, genome can detect certain spinal muscular atrophy variants and repeat expansions, which can lead to human disease, and mitochondrial variants as well. With an exome or microarray order, these three variant classes would require additional testing to be ordered, whereas that's not necessary with this genome sequencing test. 
Great, thanks for the overview. That sounds like it has potential to help patients both as a first line test and for those patients who have been on a diagnostic odyssey. So tell us more about who benefits from these tests. Exploratory testing, including exome and genome sequencing is widely used standard of care genetic testing for patients with suspected underlying genetic disorders. One of the first things we think about in terms of making a genetic diagnosis is that it allows for tailored medical management and treatment for patients. So studies have shown around 20% of patients had direct changes to care based on exome or genome results. We also know that being able to put a name to a constellation of clinical features is really helpful for patients and families, even in the absence of changing medical care. It may provide them with a community and a place to turn when you're often the rarest of the rare. And one other thing is that identifying a specific diagnosis can provide opportunities for cascade testing for other family members who are at risk for the same condition or to inform carrier status. We find clinical utility in genome in many circumstances, both as first tier and as that quote unquote last resort testing in early life, in patients with neurodevelopmental concerns or multiple congenital anomalies, it can provide a quick diagnosis. And it's also helpful in patients with a high suspicion for an underlying genetic cause. But where previous genetic tests like microarray or biochemical testing or single gene testing or gene panels didn't arrive at a diagnosis. And that's that situation that you might hear referred to as a diagnostic odyssey patient, like you mentioned. Specifically for patients where the variant spectrum for a disease of interest includes those mitochondrial variants or repeat expansions, like Dr. Bozak was mentioning. This is where the utility of genome sequencing really shines, since it might eliminate that need for multiple orders. Several studies over the years have shown that genome is an effective first-tier method for identifying a diagnosis with diagnostic yield ranging from 20 to 40%, depending on the patient population and what prior testing was performed. Because I know this is something that our providers will be thinking about, there are at least a few studies that looked at the yield of genome after a prior negative exome result, and they see increased yields of 9 to 30%, again, dependent on the patient population and the disease of interest. Just to reiterate, studies have shown that exploratory testing resulted in direct changes to treatment recommendations in about 20% of patients, eliminated the need for additional invasive medical procedures in almost a quarter of patients, and had a clinical impact in more than half of patients. So is this test recommended by expert groups? I know the question comes up, and when talking about this about insurance coverage? Very important to discuss. In 2021, actually, the American College of Medical Genetics and Genomics, or ACMG, published evidence-based guidelines that formally recommended whole genome sequencing. They recommended this testing for patients with one or more congenital anomaly, as well as for patients with developmental delay or intellectual disability. And as Sarah was just discussing, there may be value in other circumstances as well for this testing. 
Additionally, the National Society of Genetic Counselors, or NSGC, recommends the use of genomes specifically for individuals with a diagnosis of epilepsy who are undergoing genetic testing. The reason that genome sequencing is advantageous is because it can be the most comprehensive and cost-effective genetic testing method for patients who have clinical features that do not neatly fit within one specific disorder or for patients with a suspected genetic disorder that may have many underlying genetic causes. Additionally, as all genes are interrogated, genome can identify new gene disease associations, either at the time of testing or with reanalysis of the original sequencing data at a future date. In our laboratory's experience with exploratory testing, about a quarter of our patients' diagnoses are caused by variants in genes where the disease gene association has only been described in two years prior to their testing. And about half have a condition that was only described in the five years prior to their testing, really highlighting the importance of new gene disease associations and what they can do or what impact they can have on the diagnostic yield in exploratory testing. Great. So if I'm a provider excited about ordering this, how do I go about that? And what sample types are accepted? Right. So for the patient, you're going to order test code WGSDX, also called whole genome sequencing for hereditary disorders. One unique feature of this test is that we also request family member comparator specimens. So these are samples submitted from the biological family members of the patient. Genome sequencing is performed on all samples, and variants detected in family members are used to help interpret the results in the patient. Including family member samples in the analysis increases the diagnostic yield of testing. In cases where there are no similarly affected family members, the best case scenario is to send both biological parents so that de novo variants can be easily identified. On the other hand, in families with multiple affected individuals, it might be helpful to send a specimen from those individuals to help identify shared variants of interest. So for each family member comparator, you will order CM. PRG, aka family member comparator specimen for genome sequencing. So those have different orderables for the proband and the family member. And at this time, the only specimen type accepted is whole blood, but additional specimen types will be added. We have that in the works. And one more thing to call out here, since Dr. Bozak mentioned the value of reanalysis earlier, we do have a special test code for that service called WGSR, or Whole Genome Sequencing Reanalysis. This allows us to kick off a reanalysis with no additional specimen most of the time. And the first reanalysis is performed at no charge. Thank you. Another question I know our listeners will be curious about is what type of variants are detected by this test? At the very beginning of our conversation, I did mention the variant classes detected by this test, but here are some more high-level details. Genome is designed to detect single nucleotide variants, small insertions or deletions, copy number variants, mitochondrial variants, repeat expansions, and certain spinal muscular atrophy variants. Wow, that's a lot. The average coverage is at or about a read depth of 32x. More specifically, the sensitivity is estimated at or above 
for both single nucleotide variants and copy number variants greater than one kilobase in size, and above 94% for deletions and insertions less than 50 base pairs in size. Additionally, mitochondrial variants are detected down to a 5% heteroplasmy, and we detect repeat expansions in 12 genes, and select spinomuscular atrophy or SMA-associated variants can also be detected. It is important to note, however, that a comprehensive assessment of sensitivity and the false negative rate for those mitochondrial repeat expansion and SMA variants has not been established. However, in our laboratory, any findings of clinical relevance in these categories will be reported following confirmation with in-house gold standard laboratory methods. Some important additional things to note is that balanced structural rearrangements, such as translocations or inversions, mosaic variants, and mitochondrial DNA deletions and duplications may not be detected. Finally, like all next-generation sequencing, there may also be regions of, of the genome that cannot be effectively be evaluated due to genomic complexity. That seems really comprehensive. So based on those performance characteristics, how would you say our test matches up to other genome tests available in the market? So a lot of tests are really quick to market, which was great with this new emerging technology, but some of these offerings were not validated for all variant classes. Additionally, certain variant classes, like repeat expansions, for example, require follow-up testing to confirm the findings. Because we offer this testing in our lab, we pride ourselves on being able to currently offer 12 genes for repeat expansion disorders with more to come, and we will confirm each of these findings with a gold standard method in our laboratory. This means additional send-out testing is not necessary to confirm these findings. Mitochondrial testing is also performed in-house in our own laboratory, and we plan to report variants down to 5% heteroplasmy for those known pathogenic variants. These are some of the advantages of testing here at Mayo Clinic with our genome sequencing test. That's great to hear. What about medically actionable secondary findings? I know providers will be curious about how that is handled. Yeah, I can give some details on this one. So we adhere to the ACMG practice guidelines, and we do commit to updating this gene list with an annual cadence, which will mirror ACMG's planned updates. So currently, the offering is for the version 3.1 gene list. However, version 3.2 is on the way, and we're preparing for that upgrade as soon as it's available. The only other thing to maybe point out here is that we do review both SNVs and CNVs in this gene list, and patients have the opportunity to opt out of receiving these findings if they so choose. Thank you. Are there any other unique features you want to touch on? I think one other thing that we can just mention again, as Dr. Bozak alluded to previously, in patients who have negative or inconclusive genome sequencing results, so we know we get a result in about 20 to 40% of cases, so there is certainly still some left unsolved, reanalysis of that previously generated genome data can really be quite valuable. It has the potential to identify additional variants associated with the patient's phenotype without having to do the sequencing all over again. This increased diagnostic yield 
is primarily based on new or evolving gene disease associations. So it is recommended to wait about a year or more after the original test results were released to request reanalysis, unless of course there are significant changes to the patient's phenotype. So studies really do show that reanalysis of exploratory NGS testing is quite valuable. That's uh, pretty impressive, thank you. I have one last question. Could you summarize the benefits of doing WGSDX at Mayo? Ah, uh, yes, I love this question. Mayo has unique expertise to contribute to understanding patient results because we are a large integrated practice. We can get input on a patient's clinical features or the significance of individual variants identified from some of the world's leading experts from specialized domains, including Mayo Clinic clinicians, researchers, and clinical laboratory geneticists with specific disease focus. In addition, because we do have a full service laboratory, if any additional studies are needed to be performed to better understand the significance of various results, we can perform a lot of that follow-up testing in-house. We don't need to send this testing out to another specialty laboratory. Clinicians who order WGSDX testing at Mayo Clinic also experience outstanding customer service, as we have an entire dedicated staff of genetic counselors available to answer any questions, ranging from the determination of appropriateness of testing all the way through the process of personalized interpretation of results for individual patients. So these are the advantages of ordering genome sequencing or WGSDX from our Mayo Clinic. Thank you. And thank you, Sarah and Dr. Bozak, for being here today. I really appreciate you taking time to discuss our whole genome sequencing. Thank you. Thanks for asking the questions. It was great to chat. Thank you so much for tuning in to Answers from the Lab. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and don't forget to tune in every Thursday and every other Tuesday. Thank you.